That awkward sign, silence is always awesome. Thank you, Ben. Right on. Man, you guys rock. It is absolutely fantastic to be here with you guys. Um, uh, for some of you, you guys need to know me, okay? I was here almost from the beginning. In fact, I worked with every youth pastor that Hope has ever had. So I've been here quite a while, and now I've been gone. I've been in the great state of Tennessee for four years. What? Yeah, that's right. And so I may have a jacked-up pigeon island accent with a jacked-up pigeon uh, redneck accent, okay? And I don't know how that came all about. All I know is that I've moved a lot. And when you move a lot, you endure a lot of cultures, and you start becoming like that culture. So this cable is absolutely freaking crazy. It's, okay, great, awesome. Well, has anybody been, has anybody been to Hawaii? Anybody? Wood, 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 all right. Okay, so I am from the great island of Hawaii. It's actually called Hawaii. Everybody say Hawaii with me. Anytime you see a W in the Hawaiian language, it's a V pronunciation, okay? So we say Hawaii. Say it with me, Hawaii. All right, and then when you go to the islands, there's this one word, and it's aloha, okay? You don't just say it like aloha, okay? That is not cool, all right? The way you say aloha is you say aloha. So I'm going to say that that way, and you're going to respond with the same energy, okay? So I'm going to say aloha, and you're going to say Okay, I need you guys all to stand up. Everybody stand up. This is what's going to happen, okay? I'm going to teach you some island words, if I remember it. It might sound a little redneck, but that's okay, okay? <laughs> but here's it. Uh, here's what we do. We shorten words. We shorten phrase so we don't say, hello, sir, how are you doing? We don't say that, okay? This is what we say, how's it? Everybody say, how's it? Really, it's how is it? We just broke it down to one word. That's how we rock and roll in the islands. Okay, so say it again. How's it? All right, for a girl, you are known not as a sister, but you are known as a sister. So guys say sister. sister. And I'm, guys, you're not known as a brother. You're known as a brada. All right? Say brada, girls. Say brada. All right. So this is what we're going to do. We're going to put those two phrases together, and we're going to say, how's it, whatever gender is next to you, okay? All right? You guys ready? So you'll say, how's it, brada? Or how's it, sister? And this is what you're going to do. You're not going to shake hands. You're not going to hug. Because I know all of you don't want to hug each other, right? I know that. For, uh, for some of you that want to kiss some of the pretty ladies in here, no, that's not happening tonight. All right. We're just going to do Everybody do a hang loose sign. Do a hang, lo hang loose sign. All right. So you're going to do this. How's it, brother? Or how's it, sister? Okay. One, two, three, go. <laughs> that is awesome. All right. Let's do it again. One, two, three. Now do the person behind you. Here we go. One, two, three. All right, remember, hey, hey, aloha. All right, y'all sit down. Y'all crazy. Y'all all crazy. All right, so here's the deal. In order for me to have a connection with you, you need to realize what I'm all about. So I have a few pictures that I want to show you about my trip back home to Hawaii last year. My wife and I went to Hawaii on a mission trip. Um, and this is what some of the pictures we have come up with. I don't know if you got it, Carrie. You got it? Awesome. No pictures. Okay, we can go through another direction. All right, what does the note say? If the pictures doesn't work, sc scrap that, go somewhere else. Okay, let's go. Let's try that. Anyway, God has called my family, my wife and I, and seven-year-old German Shepherd Hamlet. <laughs> oh, I hate her. <laughs> 
somebody re- rebuke him. Anyway, God has called my wife and I in Hamlet to back home to my homeland. It's been about 10 years since I've been back in the islands as living there. 10 years ago, I graduated from Hilo High School. We are going to plant in Hilo. You may never hear that word Hilo again. You've probably never heard of the word, the name Hilo. But anybody know UFC fighting? Anybody know who BJ Penn is? BJ Penn, all two of you. BJ Penn is from the great small little city or town of Hilo. And so that's the only thing we take notice from. But God has called us back home. And here's some things I want to just encourage you about the islands. Like our city here in Las Vegas, we have 95% of our people who are lost, meaning they have no relationship with Jesus. In Hawaii, it's the same place. 95% of the people in Hawaii are lost. One of the challenging things as Southern Baptists that we face is the two missions departments that we have, the International Mission Board and the North American Mission Board. For the North American Mission Board, it's almost like they see Hawaii as an international destination because it's far. It's about 2,000 miles off the coast of California. And for the International Mission Board, they know that because Hawaii is a state and it's part of North America, they are a part of the North American Mission Board. So there's some confusion going there when it comes to doing mission work down there in the islands. And some of the significant things about the islands is this. When 95% of the people are lost, many nationals come to move to the islands. This is what I mean. Nationals from China, nationals from Indonesia, from Japan, all these areas that need the gospel. Many of them start a new life in Hawaii. What we're praying is that God would radically convert these nationals and send them back to these areas like Indonesia where it's 96% Muslim. Where in in Japan, did you know that Japanese people are the most hardest to reach? They're the most unreached people group. We think of the technology that Japan has come up with. Well, there's pockets of villages on different islands of Japan that is without the gospel. And many, in fact, there's more Japanese people in Hawaii than any other ethnicity. So God has called us. Here's the islands, okay? We have eight islands. You don't have to pronounce the words. I know for some of you it's going to be Hebrew and Greek, so don't worry. But if you look at the island of Hawaii, we are actually on the right, the east side tip. Go to the next picture. You see right on the right side where Hila, it looks like a face of a bulldog. I don't, I don't know. Anyway, I don't know. The ears, the nose, something about dogs today. What's going on? Anyway, that's where God has called us. And believe it or not, there are seven main towns on that island that, were, that are without churches, meaning they don't have Hope Church like this in the city. There's seven of them that are without churches, a big town. So God has called us there. The next picture. Right there is the town of Hilo uh, that, in fact, in 1940s and 1960s, a tsunami hit that place and just terrorized that whole place. Um, and like, like last week, we got a scare that there was going to be more tsunami. But that's where I grew up, exactly in that small little town. Next picture. That's my wife and I. Literally three miles up the road from that location is where I grew up, where I was raised. And I think we got one more. And that picture right there. That's on the west side of the island. If you look way back where you see a small little uh, beach part on the left, that's where the first missionaries came in 1820. That's the first time the gospel was ever revealed to the people of Hawaii. And I think we've got one more picture. That church right there is the church I grew up in. My daddy converted the downstairs basement 
into a home. So the old fellowship hall became a four-bedroom house, okay? That's where I grew up for when I was three years old, all the way up to I was 18 years old until I graduated. And that church right there is an old Protestant church that, that uh, the fellowship no longer existed for like 30-something years. My dad was a church planner. There is no church. There was no church in that area of Hilo. Even till this day, there's still no church, just that building. And it's, it's uh, abandoned. And that's where I grew up. That's where my heritage is. I mean, that's where everything happened. That's where God saved me, was in that building, literally. And God has called me 10, year, 10 years later to make much of him. That's just the beginning part. Why am I sharing all this information with you? Because God has literally broken my heart for my people. My people have gone through so many different religions over the course of 100 to 200 years. And it is now my opportunity to go back and continue the work that my father finished there or stopped there. My father would call himself a failed church planner because the biggest church he's ever had was 30. And he didn't see no fruit from that 30 people. No one doing missions, none of that. So my father had some struggles there. But one thing I see is that my father invested in me. And because of me, you know, Jeremiah only seen one conversion in his time in the Old Testament. And because my father invested in me, years down the road, he has called me back to where I was, where I was planted. Isn't that cool? Isn't that cool, some of you guys that went to Thailand? Isn't it cool that someday God's going to take you overseas permanently? Let me tell you something. It's one thing to go over a short-term mission trip. It's a whole other thing when you spend your life there. When you spend your life there, nothing matters. Money doesn't matter. Culture doesn't matter. Nothing matters but, but seeing the name of Jesus lifted up. Amen. If you got your Bibles, turn to Ephesians 2. This is really, anytime I go to a group and it's the first time I'm sharing God's gospel, this is really the first text I always want to share. Because if there's one thing that I want people to understand, it's the plan of salvation. Nothing else matters if you don't have a relationship with Jesus, right? And so here, I'm just going to read it real quick. Ephesians chapter 2, there's two verses, 8 and 9. It says this, For by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God. Not a result of works, so that no one may boast. Let's pray. Jesus, I pray that you would strip the immaturity out of this room, Lord. That you would open eyes you would open hearts to receive from you, Lord. And enemy, you have no power in this setting today. Lord, we ask for divine appointment. We want to meet with you. And for those that don't know you, we want them to experience you as Lord and Savior. Lord, may your gospel be made known this evening. It's in your name we pray. Everyone says amen. There's four understandings I want you to understand. See, I grew up in a different denomination. I grew up in a denomination that said, in order for you to be saved, you have to do A, B, C, D, then you're saved. Then when you get up to that point, it was up to you to keep your salvation or your relationship with God. That's what I grew up around. Now, we don't teach that here. We teach that it's all about a relationship. The relationships through Jesus Christ. But there's four things I want all of us to identify when it comes to the plan of salvation. Here's number one, is that our condition. Let's understand our condition. If you still have your Bibles and you move up to verse one, it says this, 
We were dead. Somebody help me out. What does it say? We were dead in what? Say it louder. It's all good. In our trespasses and sins. That is our condition. That we are completely separated from a holy God. Who was raised in church here? Raise your hands. Well, check this out. You being raised in church doesn't make you a Christian. You aren't born a Christian. All right? You didn't come into this world saying, oh, God, I am yours. No. You came into this world completely separated from God, completely alienated from God. The word says this, that you were a stranger to God. It says this, that you were a lover of sin, that you are dead in your trespasses and sins, and a dead man can do what? Say it again. A dead man can do what? Something needs to happen, right? Check this out. I use the word stranger. And when in that context, stranger means this, that they know nothing of the individual or the culture, okay? I am an island boy. I was sheltered on the beach of Hawaii, okay? I did all the surfing, all the fishing, all the boogie boarding, all the fun stuff you think about in Hawaii. That's what I did. Then when I moved up to the mainland, specifically Las Vegas, I came in contact with a bunch of southern people from Alabama, Tennessee, Mississippi, Kentucky, all of those places, right? And they, and I, they introduced me to something that I was a stranger to, okay? This is what I was a stranger to. Glorious sweet tea. Let me tell you, my first sweet tea, when it touched the lips of this Hawaiian Italian's mouth, mama mia. Okay? It literally shocked me into motion. I'm like, holy Jesus, why did I not even know this? I was a stranger to it. In fact, I found out that you can't just grab regular brew tea and just put sugar in it and mix it up. It don't work that way. You got to boil that junk, okay? Why are you laughing at me? Y'all judging me and all. What's going on? All right, all right, all right you got to boil that junk, okay? And then what it does, I found out, like, as I read my, his, uh, my facts about making sweet tea, it makes its own compound, okay? And then it makes this glorious regeneration taste that is just so good. <laughs> that is so amazing, okay? I was alienated to that. I knew nothing about sweet tea. We had fruit punch, okay? And fruit punch, if you know anything about fruit punch, it's anything fruity. Pineapple, mango. Whatever, just add it in. But when I heard that you can brew uh, some tea and add some sugar to it, I was, oh. It was amazing. That was my condition. I was an island boy separated from sweet tea, baby. That was me. And then what happened was I ended up marrying a girl from Tennessee. Hallelujah. Because what I discovered, too, was barbecue. Mm-mm. I'm not talking about hamburgers and hot dogs. I'm talking about shredded pork, baby. All right? With some, uh, some baby Ray sauce on that. Mix it up. Put some coleslaw on that bad boy and rock it on. All right? That's what I did. I was alienated to this great food. Look at me. This is Tennessee, all 100%. But check this out. On a serious note, our condition is that we're separated from God. And let me just put, let me just put some visuals up for you. 
I'm a visual guy. I want to see stuff happen. Can you change that for me, though, please? That would be great. So look at this. In Genesis 3, it said that Adam and Eve had a choice to eat out of anything but except one tree, the tree of good and evil. And what happened was they disobeyed God, and they ate of that tree. So what happened was there was a separation that took place. We right here, men, were separated from God because the Bible says what separated us from God, anybody can help me out with a Sunday school answer, what separated? Sin. Awesome. Merit badge right there, baby. Anyway, here you go. So sin separated us from God. What is sin? The easy answer to that is missing the mark, missing a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. And because they ate of that, it separated us. And so this sin, this gap right here, needed a plan to be restored. And so that's our condition, that we're dead, we love sin, we're unholy. And guess what? Because we're strangers and alienated to God, we don't even know that we need him. That's deep. Because sin, because the wages of sin is death, and we have all sinned. And fall short of the glory of God. But, man, I love that. B-U-T. But. But in Hawaiian, when we use but, but, let me tell you, you guys see all those skinny hula girls in Hawaii and all that? Rip that all out of your mind because that's not a real Hawaiian hula girl, okay? The Hawaiian girls that I'm talking about is, mm, look like me, all right? They got some meat on them, okay? And, and they can wiggle, wiggle and do all that. But, you know what I'm saying? Oh, Lord, help me, forgive me. Edit that out. All right. Anyway, whenever you see but in the Greek language, you see something that's going to happen, that's going to take place, that is going to change our whole circumstance. Check this out. We're separated from God, but God loved us. We're alienated to God, but God was rich in mercy. We had no relationship with him because of the fall of man, but God had a plan all along. And it's this. Check this out. Verse 4, it says this. But God, being rich in mercy, because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved. That's God's action right there. Our condition tells us this. Yo, we separated from God. But God's plan is this, that I love you, that I have mercy for you, and it is my intent to make much of myself by, check this out, laying Jesus on the cross to pay for sin. And so when we look at this idea of sin, I'm sorry, when we look at this idea of sin and we see Jesus in it, we see that Christ has built a bridge on that cross to connect two parties together. And check this out. You did not do nothing to put these two parties together. Guess who did it? Sunday school, Jesus Christ, amen. You didn't do nothing, y'all. You were dead. Dead man can do what? Nothing. Something must transform that dead person. Someone must shock that dead person in motion. What Jesus does, it says he takes sin, 
right here, this bad boy, and he crushes it. Didn't we just sing that song, Death, Where Is Your Sting? Where is it? Guess what? Even if you can't do nothing, God got something for you. It's his son, Jesus. Literally, God's action was to showcase his love to the world through his son, Jesus. I'm not a father, but I've been in youth ministry for many years. Been in youth ministry for about 10 years now. And one of the biggest challenges that I still have a hard time looking at is this whole idea of a father giving up his son for people that do not deserve his son. It's crazy. The word mercy, I know Scott and I talk about this all the time, but the word mercy is not getting what you deserve. We all deserve the same penalty, and it's separation from God. But here's the grace, is getting what you don't deserve, which is Jesus. We don't deserve Jesus. But because of his great love for us, he makes himself known. God takes a bad situation, and he puts this situation together through his son Jesus to redeem mankind back to himself. Our condition, we're separated from God. God's action, he puts us together. Number three, our response. This is our response. We repent and we come to faith in God. Here's the whole definition from repent. It's to turn from sin and turn from yourself. One of my pastors told me this. It also means to live differently. We have this Christianity superstition that goes on. That if you walk down the Nile, if you say a prayer, if you do any kind of works, that you're set. That is superstition. Nothing saves but Jesus. You guys got me? So it's always challenging to, for me to hear pastors say, if you want to be saved, all you have to do is fill in the blank. For instance, I lived in Carthage, Tennessee. You may not know anything about Carthage. It's okay. It's a small little hick town, all right, in Tennessee. And in Carthage, Tennessee, there's a church right down the road from us. And they teach that in order for you to be saved, you have to be baptized. And that's what saves you as obedience, that in that water you are saved. That's bogus. That's crazy. Why creation saves us? No, the creator saves us. So Jesus he paints this picture of his sacrifice on the cross. And our response by faith is this, that we turn from our sins, we live differently, and we trust in Christ. We trust in him. The grace, the grace that we experience, our response is by faith. Now, I was raised in a denomination that says this, if you don't get healed, if you don't get saved, if you don't do all, the, if you don't get delivered from anything, that means you didn't have enough faith. Here's the problem with that. We're not saved by our works, remember? We're saved by Jesus. But check this out. I love how this song illu illustrates faith. Help me out. Give me faith, right? To trust what you say, that you're good and your love is great. I'm broken inside. I give you my life. Man, I love it. Why don't you just sing it with me right here? I may be weak, 
Your spirit's strong in me. My flesh may fail. My God, you never will. I may be weak, but your spirit's strong in me. My flesh may fail, but my God, you never will. Man, that is faith. And I, I think we say it this way at hope. It's God's dependence. That we're completely dependent on God. Because when we're dependent on God, the overflow of our lives is the manifestation and the glory of Jesus Christ. And when that is revealed to others, they see true conversion. Not based on what we did, but based on what he does in and through us. Because our flesh is weak. But in Christ, all things are possible. Man, I think that's great. I think us to come to the knowledge that it's all Christ grace alone, through faith alone, to God's glory alone, we experience him in such a tangible way. That's good. My last point right here. Check this out. The result. All right, our condition is we're separated. God's action is that he has saved us by grace. Our response is that through faith, we respond to the glory of God. But the result, what goes in you must come out of you. So I am so thankful that you who went to Thailand, that's the result. The result is this, that we as followers of Jesus are the ones who will reach the world with the gospel for God. This is the whole messenger sender challenge that Pastor Vance preached quite a few weeks ago. You are the ones that will showcase salvation to the ends of the earth. It is not okay just to say, I got saved to get out of hell. It don't stop there. When you are saved, truly converted... You can't help but live the life of Christ because it's no longer your life. It's Christ's life. Remember, I've been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives with me. So this is true conversion. That Christ presses his life in us and presses his life out of us. This is why we're going back to Hawaii. Because people don't know Jesus as Lord. And the result of my conversion... It's to share with them the goodness of God. Think about that. For you who have come to faith in Christ Jesus, is that your life? Evaluate yourself. Search your heart. And you know, if I can be brutally honest with you, sometimes we can even do mission trips wrong. Sometimes we can just go there and we think it's about projects, but it's more about that. You know why? The gospel is used with words. The gospel must be verbally used. And I love to hear the stories of these young teenagers saying, we got to share this with them. We got to share this. Oh, my goodness. That is what pumps me up, seeing, seeing the next generation showcase God by verbally communicating. Because the word says this in Romans 10, how will they hear if there is no preacher? Let me tell you this. 1820, the first Christian missionaries came to Hawaii. Within a week span, 3,000 came to faith in Jesus Christ. That is awesome. And we know this, nearly 7 billion people in the world, and more than half of them don't know Jesus. So we must preach conversion this way, that we're saved by grace alone, through faith alone. To God's glory alone. That's the result.
I'm going to share this and I'll, be, I'll close. Together for the Gospel affirms this statement. should be on the screen. The statement says this. We affirm that salvation is all of grace and that the Gospel is revealed to us in doctrines that most faithfully exalt God's sovereign purpose to save sinners and in his determination to save his redeemed people by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone, to his glory alone. Let's pray. Lord, I pray that your message, Lord, I pray that it showcased your glory. Lord, I know that there's nothing in us that can save us from death. But Lord, through your son Jesus on that cross, recognizing that, seeing our sin for itself and repenting from it and turning to you, Father, that redeems us in a relationship with you. As your heads are bowed and your eyes are closed, no one looking around, no one talking to your friend, I want you to think about that. Where do you stand today? As the gospel has been shared tonight, where are you in this whole Christian thing? For some of you, you just come here because your boyfriend, your girlfriend, your friend, your sister, you're here, your parents may drag you here. But for some of you, this is real for you. This is a matter of life and death, spiritually. Just where you are. If you don't know the Lord Jesus, but you've heard the gospel more clear than ever today, and you want to respond to that, just quickly look at me and bow your eyes. Thank you. Anybody else? Amen. If you're a Christian, if you're a follower of Jesus, you have influence, and you have a friend in mind that needs Jesus and you know them by name if you're a follower of Jesus and you know that person by name just quickly look at me so I can pray for you thank you thank you thank you thank you bow your heads Jesus we pray for salvation in this place Lord I thank you for that young lady that just accepted you as Lord and Savior that trusted you by faith because of your grace nothing in her Father I thank you for that I pray we'll follow up with that young lady. Lord, I pray for those who have looked at me, who has friends that don't know you as Lord and Savior. May they be the result to share the gospel with them. Lord, we love you and we need you more than ever. Lord, teach us how to be a Jesus follower, totally committed to you, not based on duty, but based on desire. Lord, we love you. In your name we pray. Amen.